All right, it was kind of a cloudy, slow-moving morning, but I feel like everybody's souls are starting to wake up here. We need some more Puerto Ricans, is all I have to say. Come on. Come on. All right, in the early 2000s, uh, my family and I were living in uh, Sacramento, California. Yes. And uh, I had a good friend there by the name of Gene Thorpe. Uh, he was a real estate and rock and roll guy. Uh, for decades and decades, he had something very creatively called the Gene Thorpe Band that played all over Northern California, open for the Rolling Stones even at one point. Gene was just, is a great guy. He's in his late 70s now. He's the kind of guy who literally knew everybody for four towns over. He lived on 10 acres of golden California countryside. And every year, my friend Gene and his wife Sherry would put on an epic Easter party. There were barbecue, there were horseshoes, cowboy bowling or cornholes or whatever, all different games. Uh, There were live animals. There were sheep and chickens running around. There were people in animal costumes. The Easter bunny was there, other animals. Uh, There was live music throughout this whole party. Different rock and roll people just come up, play a song. There was always at this Easter party an Elvis. I found this surprising that Elvis would come to an Easter party. Here's the thing. This seems like an odd conglomeration of things to have at one fiesta, but any time I stepped on that property uh, on Easter, the first thought I had is, this party has spirit. That party had spirit. At the heart of it all, my friend Jean's wife, Sherry, would gather all the little kids around And she would sit them down and have story time, and she would break down a kid's version of the Easter story and let them know in a kid-sized way what God had done for them through the love of Jesus, about the crucifixion, about Jesus' death, and about the reason we celebrate Easter, because he did not stay dead, but he is living even today. This was the heart of that massive party, and it's why I think that party had so much spirit. I think anybody who walked onto that property on Easter Sunday knew they were in for a great day. Have you ever been to a gathering like that? Or walked into a room or a school or a church that you knew had an electricity, a spirit, even before anybody opened their mouth or said anything? Right? We have this phrase, school spirit. We try to stir up energy inspiration, clapping, shouting, thanksgiving. There's a hum, a frequency, a vibe, a flow, a spirit that sometimes we can tune into. It's like a gathering has a life of its own. I would make the case that if you live in a house with a family, a roommate, with some other people, that even your apartment, your house, your space, your place It has a spirit. This is getting a little mysterious and creepy, okay? Your house has a spirit because, like, the love, the kindness, the the way that you uh, get together with the people that you live with, it creates an atmosphere. 
And when people walk over the threshold of your house, if they're sensitive people, you can kind of tune into it, right? Not every house has the same spirit. It works this way with God as well. Who is the Holy Spirit? One way of explaining who and how the Holy Spirit is, is this way, borrowing from uh, British author C.S. Lewis here. God the Father and Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, love each other so much. They are so one in purpose, will, affection, deference, wanting to honor one another. They are so on the same page that the Spirit, the atmosphere that is created from their love, like literally takes on a life of its own. Like there's so much love between father and son that a whole new person is birthed into existence and we call that person the Holy Spirit. If you walk into the universe with your spiritual antenna up, if you are tuned into God, literally every breath, every moment of your life, you could have a sense that there is this spirit inhabiting and influencing everything. All right. Imagine with me for a moment. This is a ruler. Like there's a, like a knife edge on this ruler. Imagine there is a tiny little creature that could only live on the knife's edge of this ruler. Okay? It could just like walk back and forth. And it's so tiny, like it's an amoeba, right? It's so tiny, it doesn't know anything but just this line. That's its whole existence. You still with me? Okay, now imagine like a flat surface, like this table or even the whole stage. It can be expansive. And imagine an ant lives on this stage, right? It has a bigger life than this little amoeba, but it is living like a two-dimensional life, right? It can go this way and that way, but it is just sticking to the ground, right? What does an ant know about human romantic love? What does an ant know about your job? What does an ant know about, like, how to play a piano, right? Its eyes are just, boom, right down there. But now let's add one more dimension. So we got one dimension, a line, two dimensions, a flat surface, and now we have an Amazon box. This is the meaning of life. Amazon. <laughs> no. It has nothing to do with Amazon. But right now, what, could li- what lives in three dimensions? I mean, a big insect could live in here. What if we blew the box up to the size of the world? Right? This is our life. We are li- the world is a three-dimensional box. We are living in three dimensions. We have a much more profound life than that little amoeba just living on the line. A much more profound life than the ant living, crawling around just on a flat surface. Like, all kinds of creatures we included have this giant three-dimensional life. Life in the spirit, however, is outside of the box. Right? Literally, we know from scientists now, there are more dimensions in the universe than what we can see with our eyes and lay our hands on. The life of God, the life of God the Father and God the Son, is outside of the box, and it is equally real. It's even more real. It's so real that even though we can't lay our hands on it, we can't see it with our eyes, we are called and invited into this life that's four or more dimensions. Now, when you have one of these mm, spirited experiences, 
whether it's at a party or just being tuned into the Holy Spirit. Who is in control? The goal of outside-the-box life is not to be in control, but to simply open up and let go and enter into it. That is the spirited life. To not be in control, but to be open and allow yourself to enter into it. When musicians play, I mean, if, they, if musicians just read the notes that are on the page, it might sound pretty good, but it's not going to be spirited. Right? But if musicians are playing together, and they get in the flow, and they let each other connect in ways that is beyond just what's there in black and white, like, we start to have amazing experiences together. I mean, as a listener, you can tell whether it's an organist, whether it's a choir, whether it's a rock and roll band, whether those musicians are in the artistic flow or not. Now, I've paddled a lot of boats in my life, canoes, kayaks, rafts. Here's what is not fun, to like go through all the work of planning a rafting trip, packing all the gear, your lunch, strapping the boat on the roof of your car, taking a raft to a lake that just has dead water that is not going anywhere and just paddle your raft around there for like four hours. Right? It's like you do all the work and like where do you go? You know what is a ton of fun? Doing the same packing, the same preparing, putting the boat on the roof, driving to a raging river somewhere, tossing the boat in that raging river with a few of your friends, strapping yourself to the side, and seeing what happens. Like, that is what is fun, putting yourself in the flow. In fact, getting in the flow takes more work, because if you throw your raft in a raging river, what's going to happen if you allow yourself to go four miles downstream? Where's your car? Like, it takes more planning and more friends and more work to be in the flow than to just paddle around dead water for four hours. Now, friends, as one of your pastors, my deep, deep desire is for our church to be like that white water trip that is going somewhere in the Spirit of God rather than, having, than doing all the work, all the planning, all the preparation, and then just paddling around a pond for the rest of the year, or for a decade. Are you with me on this? I mean, it's scarier. You might end up in the river. (laughs) You might end up with some nicks, bruises, accidents. It's hard, but this is the life that God would have for us. What could happen if we approach the spiritual life, worship life, discipleship life, outreach with that kind of openness, and willingness, and expectation. What could happen if we allow ourselves all together to jump into the flow of things? Amazing things. Even, as great as this last year has been, even better things, even greater things than we saw in this amazing video. How do I know this? I'm not confident because we have the best board in the world or because we have the best elders in the western suburbs For sure, not like in our staff. I have confidence in this because Jesus himself says that this is the case. And I have very high confidence in what he says. In John chapter 14, 
This is what the Lord says. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And then read this with me if you will. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Could that be true? I mean, Jesus did some amazing things. Right? Amazing teaching. Amazing, amazing wisdom. Amazing sermons. Amazing healings. Amazing impact. Amazing outreach. And Jesus, please notice this, is saying to his disciples and to his church, you will do greater things than these because I am going away. I'm going to the Father. Doesn't that seem strange? Like, wouldn't the greatest things happen if Jesus stayed around? No, Jesus is saying, if I go to the Father because I and the Father are one, because the spirit that comes from the love I and the Father have is so great, if you guys open yourselves to that spirit, even more will happen. I mean, Jesus was the unlimited, eternal Son of God, eternally begotten Son of God, right? But he voluntarily limited himself for a time to a single geographic location in time and space. How that works, I would need a hundred sermons to explore with you. But God did that. Because Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit is geographically free to fill every square inch of the place where the church exists. And where do disciples of Jesus and the church exist in 2019? Everywhere, there are literally more than 2 billion, on paper, followers of Jesus Christ all over the planet. What if all 2 billion of us were radically open to being in the spiritual flow? What would happen? Greater things are still to come. We are not responsible for all 2 billion disciples. We are only responsible, you know, for the few hundred people that gather in this place. But what if we, for our part, for our little corner, desired this in-the-flow openness in the Spirit? How is this going to happen? How could this happen? Jesus' words continue. I will ask the Father. It's not human effort. It's coming through Jesus' request and desire and prayer. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or counselor to help you and be with you forever. Who is that? Say it with me. The Spirit of truth. Yes, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept that Spirit because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him. You know the Spirit, for He lives with you and is in you. And then this awesome promise. I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Did Jesus keep his promise? Is Jesus keeping his promise even today that he's going to fill you personally as a believer with his spirit through faith in him? Is Jesus keeping his promise to the church that we collectively in ways that no individual ever could can be carriers or bearers of his spirit? Does Jesus want to do this? Does Jesus have the power to do this? Do we have the willing hearts to cooperate with this? Oh, yes. 
That's the whole point of this sermon, just for us to say to that question, yes, Jesus, you want this, you can do this. For my part, I want to cooperate with this, even if it's scary. How do you know if the Holy Spirit is around? There's so many things that we measure in results, in outcomes. Uh, In my humble opinion, you have a better sense of Holy Spirit antenna, not in simple results of things, because the presence of the Holy Spirit does not mean everything turns out according to plan. It does not mean that you're on easy street. It does not mean that you are always, every day, blessed, as we North Americans like to say when we have good jobs and we're making money and, like, nothing has broken in our house for two years. Like, that is not the promise of the Holy Spirit. More often, we can detect the presence of God's Spirit in the timing of things. And you need to keep your spiritual ears and eyes open and vigilant to detect and interpret the way your life is going to see how God is moving. Because God can speak in the timing of difficult and painful things as well as in the timing of productive, successful, and fun things. A couple examples. So this week, uh, Jeff Klein and I drove to Holland, Michigan. Uh, Your pastors planned about 30 hours together to uh, plan some sermons for the upcoming year, uh, to talk about some deeper things about the life of our church, and to try to tune into the Holy Spirit. Like, what are we supposed to do now? What are we not supposed to do right now? We also played a little bit of golf. True, True confessions. All right. So before we left, we had been talking about some discipleship things, and there's a, uh, a great discipler in Holland, Michigan, that Jeff and I both know a little bit. And I blurted out loud, like, I, lo- I don't have this guy's phone number anymore. Like, maybe you could email him and, like, maybe we could, like, meet him for coffee or, you know, meet him later at night. Client emails him and, like, right before we go, all of a sudden, like, we can get together with this guy at 8 o'clock at night. Awesome. Like, maybe the Holy Spirit, like, works by connecting dots and last-minute meetings, Right. As we're walking into that, Jeff's brother, a guy named Chris Klein, who preached here about a month ago, was the first ever sermon through an audio-assisted device, I think, in the history of our congregation. I mean, it was an amazing Sunday. So I get into the car, and it's like the weirdest phone call ever is coming out of the speakers of this car, because it's this audio-assisted device. And so Jeff's brother calls. It turns out he's been displaced from his house for a couple days. He is literally sleeping a half mile from where we're going to be sleeping that night. So as we're walking into a discipleship meeting, the Holy Spirit is like, here's where you're going to go next. So we drive over there, we walk into the house, and as we walk into this house, there's a guy sitting on Chris Klein's couch who's an old friend and acquaintance of both Jeff Klein and myself. He has not been in a house with Chris Klein for 10 years. He is there to help out that night and help Chris with some of his physical needs. So... Like, do you sense that we were supposed to be there that night? Like, I'm pretty sure we were doing the right thing. That's not to say that, you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't involved in our planning, in our preparation, in our setting aside time, in our thinking, in our strategizing. But then the Holy Spirit blessed all of that and honored that and confirmed some other things by, like, guessing up a whole agenda and just, like, connecting the dots for an entire evening beyond the best of our plans. Like, didn't you feel Holy Spirit encouragement, bro? Yeah, right on. Not every day goes like this. 
But at least one time in every day, if your eyes and ears are open, there will be some kind of Holy Spirit whisper to you like, keep doing this. This is the right thing. You're in the right place. This morning, 40-plus young people and adult leaders uh, were at O'Hare Airport. They are currently in the air going to Honduras to serve at an orphanage this week. There they are. So they were there at four in the morning, and, uh, bef- you know, they got on the plane, and once they were on the plane, it became clear that this plane was having mechanical problems. Now, if you assemble a group of, like, 45 people to fly internationally, a good percentage of them are really scared of getting on that plane. Our youth pastor, Andy, confessed to his own fear of flying right here last week. So he's leading this team of 45 people, and they had to deplane and walk back in the airport. They got on another plane. This is going to be a royal mess, right? They're supposed to connect through Houston. Are they all going to be on the same plane from here on out? Maybe. Probably not. Could the Holy Spirit be working through their front-end travel difficulties? Or is this a sign that they shouldn't be going to Honduras to serve orphans? And Of course it's not a sign of that, right? What if the Holy Spirit, please pray for this, like creates an increased sense of openness, vulnerability, flexibility, kindness. I mean, some kids are going to be super scared that this happened. What if this calls forth like hugs and understanding and good conversations from their supportive friends? Like wouldn't the Holy Spirit be doing those very things? Like this is our prayer right now, Holy Spirit, be doing those things. The Holy Spirit reveals himself in the timing of things in our lives far, far, far more than what we default to, which is the simple, measurable results. What if we lived our life as a church with that kind of openness? Could amazing things, could greater things even happen in this little congregation? Yes and amen. And here's the proof. Again, this is what God's word says. Romans chapter 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Why? Please. Because of his spirit who lives in you. Here's the deal, church. Did Jesus come back from the dead? Yes. Did the power that brought a dead man out of a dead man's tomb, did that shut off on Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago? Did it shut off on Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit came in tongues of flame and like a mighty wind and in the gift of interpreting tongues? Did the Holy Spirit end then? Is this promise true that that same Spirit is living inside your body and the body of the church? then potentially some out-of-the-box things are still in the future for us. Think of the way the early church came, to be, came into being. I mean, this guy, Peter, a failure 50 days before, was so filled with the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that he was brimming over with a sermon that he could not stop. 
It was not the most well-organized sermon ever. He's not the most eloquent speaker, but his sermon is brimming with spiritual power, creativity, and God confidence. If we were going to start a church in the western suburbs today, I doubt we would do it the way that Peter and the early Christians did. They had no building. They had no money. They had no material resources. They were a bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, and political radicals called zealots back then. Just an insane group of people who probably wouldn't have liked each other in normal life. Anyways, their main spiritual gift was not administration, was not leadership. It probably was speaking in tongues. Okay, so we have no material resources, and we have the gift of speaking in tongues. Let's start a church. <laughs> like, if you try this in Villa Park, man, it might be a tough go. But the early church explodes into life with spiritual power and astonishing growth. How did this happen? It defies explanation. The reading we did from Acts 2, people were amazed. How can this fisherman talk like this? What is going on? They were perplexed. Like, what is going on here? This makes no sense. And they were full of ridicule. These guys must be on something. The Bible's explanation is none of those things. The Bible's explanation is simply there was a group of people that were fully open to being in the flow of the Holy Spirit, and amazing things came into being because God is so good. Could something like that happen still today? Could a church in Elmhurst still be possessed by that same spirit still today? Friends, I have high confidence, I have high God confidence that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is still filling up this congregation still today. The question is not, what might be possible for God? The question is, what is impossible for God? if that same spirit is still around. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to plan. We are going to strategize. We are going to work hard. We're going to worship. We're going to learn. We're going to strategize. We're going to do everything in our human power that we can. But the most important contribution that we have after all that is this. Oh God, we're open to your spirit. Do what you want to do openness in the big picture is our primary contribution because the real work at the end of the day is God's work. It's the Spirit's work. The river is flowing and it is calling us to get in, to leave the safe dead water behind and to let ourselves go. This is what Jesus prayed for. This is what Jesus desires. Is it what you desire? Personally, is it what you desire for this congregation and community? Oh, I hope so. As a sign that you're open to this, if you are, I invite you simply to open your hands, cup your hands, say, like, God, as open as my palms are right now, this is how I want my heart to be, my spirit to be, in your presence. I'm going to work with these hands, God. I'm going to plan with these hands, God. I'm going to serve with these hands, God. I'm going to do 
everything you whisper for me to do, but the best thing I have, God, the best things we have, God, is empty hands. Oh, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. May we be a church that's known for its openness and boldness and togetherness and generosity and power and grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.